To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have on Laramie Sasquatch Miller. So you may have heard of Laramie through some of his shows on the Sportsman's Channel or seen some of his programming. He's a great storyteller and and really does a good job uh, with these shows. And, and, and really, I got to learn the essence of Laramie on today's podcast, and it's great. It's like all built around this wood sense and and this traditional mindset that he keeps but it's it's built around this base of, of of skills to keep yourself safe in the mountains to be able to challenge yourself in the mountains and then also to have that that hunting skill set base to be able to go out and expect consistent success and so i really enjoyed today's conversation i think you guys are going to enjoy it too i want to thank my sponsors for today's show i want to thank everly stock I've been using Everly Stock for the last few seasons, and they have a different pack for every different preference or every different use that you're going to come across in the mountains. And so I really like their kite pack. Uh, I use this as a day pack. I'll even take a quick overnighter with it. Comes in with a low base weight, packs the weight really well, good hip belt. And what I really like about it is it sits tight to my back so I can really hunt and stalk with it on. Uh, so that's a huge asset in a day pack. And then also if I harvest an animal, it's burly enough to be able to pack out a load with me on the out trip. So I uh, like that pack. I use the little big top. I'll use that for three to five dayers. Comes in at a light base weight, packs the weight really well, uh, operates really well for me on these smaller uh, uh, stay trips. And then for my longer stay, my expedition trips that are going to go five to ten days, I love using their destroyer. Their destroyer packs the weight really well. It keeps the weight tight to your back so it doesn't hang off your back or pull on you. Great adjustments. All these packs are super durable. So that's what I'm going to use most of the time. They also have their new Vapor Series. Uh, this comes on their mainframe. You're able to change it out from a 2,500 cubic inch bag to a 7,500 cubic inch bag where you can fit everything in the kitchen sink. It's a giant bag. Uh, I also use this for expedition trips. Used it last year on my Colorado hunt. Uh, used it last year on my big Nevada hunt. Uh, so it, it's a great pack as well. Comes in at a light base weight for so many cubic inches, and it's a minimalist pack design. Uh, it also has a meat shelf in it where you can separate the the bag from the frame and put your meat right in there, which is really advantageous when you're doing one of these expedition trips and you are fortunate enough to to harvest a mule deer and elk. So uh, great durability, great packs. Uh, uh, if you're in the market for a new pack, make sure to check out Everly Stock. I also want to thank Black Rifle Coffee Company. I love Black Rifle Coffee. Um, I am hooked on this stuff. So I'm I'm part of their membership club where they send me a, a, a new bag of coffee every single month. And you can be part of that for really great roasted coffee. I love the flavor of it. Um, it, it's just done me right. And then for my hunting, I'm using their instant coffee sticks. Now these things are a game changer. I've used other brands before and I don't like the taste and I don't like the way it makes me feel. Uh, but the black rifle coffee company instant sticks, 
Uh, they taste just like real coffee. It's actually freeze-dried real coffee, um, so it doesn't hurt my gut at all. It tastes really good, and it's super lightweight. It's just perfect for the backcountry. So I've been using these the last couple years, and I won't use anything else. Uh, they also have uh, tea bags that you can. Um, it's more. It's kind of like an instant coffee that you can dip in your hot water. It makes a great tasting coffee as well and super lightweight for the backcountry. Uh, so if you're in the market for anything coffee, make sure to check out Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, they're veteran-owned, support veterans, and um, they just have a great product. Uh, you can also save a little money if you uh, go to the landing page, uh, Eastman's for Black Rifle Coffee Company, and then put in the promo code Brian will save you 10% on that. So uh, make sure to check that out as well. And with that, over at Eastman's over there, um, if you want to take your hunting skills to the next level, take a look at Eastman's Tag Hub. There are over 800,000 data points on an interactive mapping module covering 11 western states and 7 big game species. Tag Hub also offers Eastman's Hunting TV early access to Beyond the Grid episodes, exclusive member-only blogs, plus a member's favorite, our Tag Hub 2-Minute Tips. All this, plus a long-trusted Eastman's hunting and bow hunting journals. This is the real deal package when it comes to hunting the West. You can put in promo code 22828 and save 10% code off. Uh, you can take 10% off of any of the three available Tag Hub options. So with that, um, boy, I, I should have that um, high country hunt that uh, I filmed last season coming out here shortly on the Beyond the Grid. Super excited. Uh, I actually need to sit down and watch the cut on it. I heard it's really good from um, Eastman's, but I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet. So I need to check that out, but uh, that's going to be coming out shortly. Uh, that'll come out on our um, Beyond the Grid, which is our Eastman's Hunting TV on YouTube. Uh, so you can keep a lookout for that. And... Um, Man, just keeping busy, getting work done here and um, podcasts out and uh, uh, counting down the days. I've got a trip coming up here in two weeks, so super excited about that. Been out bear hunting a little bit. Um, it's uh, Spring has been way late here in um, this part of Montana. Uh, the the snowstorms have just been coming uh, one after the next, a lot of moisture, and we haven't got much of that sunshine and warm weather yet that grows that grass. But it's starting to kick off here and um, starting to see some bears and I got a buddy coming in. Well, I've got uh, my buddy Dan coming in here towards the end of the week, and so we're going to hunt for a few days and see if we can't get on some bears. So um, super excited, looking forward to that, and uh, just trying to balance everything I've got going on with um, family and working out and uh, also my work and uh, construction company. So, uh, so far, so good. Um, yeah, it's um, doing um, uh, more of the CrossFit workouts and doing some of the runs, but trying to keep my physical shape up there. Uh, shooting is off the hook right now. That um, that new Matthews is just shooting. Got those new vector arrows all tuned up. So um, I'm ready to rock and roll. I just need to draw back on a critter here. So hopefully we can find a bear, and then I have that trip coming up. But um, this is a great podcast. Let's get into this thing. So this is um, Laramie Miller. Uh, you may have seen his TV shows. Um, he's also known as Sasquatch on there. Uh, he's known as Sasquatch because he's such a giant human being. I think he said he's like six six or six eight. And um, boy, it, it it's uh you know I'm uh I 
I'm 5'7 on my best day. I can't imagine trying to sneak up on something being that big. Uh, you'd have to be a lot more sneakier than I am. But um, uh, just a giant human being, but a great storyteller, uh, uh, loves the mountains, and loves the traditional way of doing things, which made for a great podcast. So um, this is Eastman's Elevated. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Here we go. Okay, I'm live here. I've got Laramie Miller. So I just met Laramie. Uh, he runs multiple TV shows, and you guys are just launching your third season of uh, Last of a Breed on the Sportsman's Channel. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, TV. I never intended to get into TV, but I kind of fell into it, and I guess it, it fits me in a way, so I'm going to keep doing it until they kick me off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a bunch of shows going. You are busy. Uh, a Mountain Man on um, the Outdoor Channel as well, and then um, you had a show for for years before that too, right? Yeah, so I had Sasquatch Mountain Man started in I think 2008, and then ran until about 2016 or 17, and then uh, I took a little bit of time off and then started last of a breed. And now, um, the network just came to me and they wanted a survival show. You know, you got all these survival shows out on TV that are doing really well. So they're, they came to me and they said, Hey, we want like a mountain man survival show. And so I started the new ones called the trail just started here on outdoor channel. So yeah, man, good Lots for you. Of filming. Yeah. That's a ton of filming. Uh, that can be <laughs> a pain as well, as well. But, um, uh, I think it. I think you've done so well just because of your authenticity too. Is that you're uh, not playing make believe like this is the 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 life you live, and and you'd be doing this anyways if there was a was or was not a camera there. And it's it's always good when you can be comfortable in front of that camera and really speak your mind. And it sure is portrayed like you do. Well, and that's, you know, I never, like I said before, I never anticipated getting into TV. Um, believe it or not, my uncles used to produce VHS tapes way back in the um, late 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, all about elk hunting and survival. And they were out of Colorado. They were doing it at the same time as, you know, the Eastman started. And so, I mean, they've been doing it. They had done it for years. Well, they actually passed away in a plane crash in 1995. And I always said, you know, I want to follow in their footsteps because they were big outfitters and you know, my family, I grew up on cattle ranch and all I know is horses and backcountry and hard work. <laughs> so, you know, I figured I'd jump right back into the outfitting side of things. And, you know, I've done that my whole life and TV just kind of fell in my lap and, you know, it's worked out great. Hmm. It it takes a certain skill set, though, right? I mean, it's not like uh, pretending or learning how to hunt once you have a show. It's building all those necessary skills to be proficient. And it's not easy in today's day and age. Like there's a, a lot of hunting pressure out there. Uh, uh, spots are tough to come by, less and less places to go. And it it takes um it, it takes building that skill set and really improving your hunting uh each facet of it to be able to go out and produce a tv show or, or to expect to find success out there well 100 percent. i mean you look at guys you know like us that do predominantly you know backcountry or public land hunting especially filming i mean it's a double-edged sword right we want more people to be in the outdoors and to get people into hunting but then you got more people in your hunting spots and, you know, there's that, that whole revolving door, which I, I love it. I'll, I'll take the competition all day long, but you have to really be 
proficient in the time and the effort that you have to put in to do hunts the way that you know especially me i mean i do all traditional so i'm hunting with a longbow i'm hunting with a muzzleloader when people are hunting with rifles or a, or a pistol you know and so it just it makes it that much harder and then you throw the camera on top of that and you know to be able to be successful and get the shows filmed and i mean it's a lot of work and very time consuming Oh man, you're speaking my lang my language, Laramie. Like, uh, uh, so I do. Uh, so I'm all bow hunting, and so including during general rifle season, I've committed to a bow and getting close. And I, I, I love uh, the interaction, uh, the the challenge of it. Uh, but but it's difficult. And then you throw a cameraman in the mix, and it adds like this degree of difficulty of getting two people into that close bow range. Uh, not to mention, uh, you know, doing it on public ground, so having competition with other guys. And I'm the same way as I continue to adapt and evolve, and I can still go find my own experience out there in the wilderness and, and, and have it be me versus the animals. I don't do much of the combat hunting, but I tell you, it ups the degree of difficulty, and when I really look at the shows out there, uh, uh, there's um, – a lot of different ways that guys are getting killed, but there's not many guys that can do the traditional, do the uh, the bow like you or the muzzle loader or a bow and arrow and get that close and a cameraman. Uh, uh, there's a lot of shortcuts out there that I that I believe guys are taking. So I think like the guys that are doing it in that style, it's appreciated by the audience, you know, because we're out there with those guys uh, that are doing it the same way that we are. And so like I think there's this connection with their audience. I I think that's one of the reasons you've done well well 100 percent, you know and i think you know you have that you know authentic background when people see you out there you know let's face it you know tree stand hunting is very successful but i hate sitting in a tree stand for one i'm not that patient i want to go spot and stock and i want to go mingle and i want to go test my skills with that critter i don't want to wait for something to walk by me granted that's the way a lot of people have to do it but you know, the way I was raised is they turned us loose. You go hike, you might hike five, six miles away from camp when I was 12 years old, elk hunting by yourself. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, we had to go learn kind of on the run. And I was very fortunate. I got to learn from, you know, some really hardcore backcountry, you know, modern day mountain men. And that's, you know, I'm so thankful for that because it gave me the drive, you know, and like you were talking about earlier, I think, when you're younger, you're more of a killer, right? You want to go out there and you're trying to get these big critters and you're trying to, you know, and I used a rifle and I've always been a bow hunter, but I used a rifle and I used, you know, a few different things. But the, I think the older you get or the further along in your steps towards being a good outdoorsman, you you value the experience way more, you know. And so you're you're looking at, like you, you know, you're going out there with a bow during rifle season. You're doing those things to, it's all about the experience. It's about getting up close and personal. It's about, you know, that, that competition between you and the animal. It's not between you and somebody else, you know, wanting to show your buddy what you killed. It's between you and the animal. It's between mother nature. And, you know, that's what really still drives me is just that competition with myself and the critters. Yeah, I love that. That's so well said. And it is, 
it is this connection to the mountains too. If you're in it for the wrong reason, for a Instagram post or to show your buddies the animal you killed, you're not going to get too far. Like you have to fall in love with the mountains in the process. And so much of this hunting skill does come down to uh, being mountain savvy, like just being able to be up there and be comfortable, uh, being able to to go through trying conditions, whether that's uh, you know, weather or uh, tough conditions to hunt in, and, and creative thinking is rewarded in the backcountry. The the problem solving, creative thinking, like it's the ultimate challenge and the ultimate chess match with those critters. You know, especially mature ones. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, that's what that's what I prided myself. You know, from the time I was just a kid, I wanted to go out there. You know, I was very survival oriented as far as. You know, my uncle, he taught survival classes and he was known as the mountain rat. And so he took us out. I was eight years old, took us out, taught us how to make shelters and make fires and what we could, couldn't eat, you know, had us out there doing this stuff. And, you know, I've just taken it another step. Now I bring tan my own hides and I do, you know, I try to do as much mountain man style as I can. Obviously, I'm gonna, we're in 2022. I live in 2022, so I'll never be <laughs> a full blown mountain man. But. I try to as much as I can, you know, and just like the new show that's just started airing on Outdoor Channel, I mean, that's what it is. I go out there in my buckskins with a longbow and a horse with a knife, a hatchet, and my sleeping bag. And I go out there and survive off the land for 32 days and travel 100 miles. It's called The Trail, and I wanted to do it because I wanted it to be mountain man style. I self-filmed the whole thing pretty much. I had cameramen come and bring me batteries every, you know, four or five days, but... You know, it was that challenge to me. It was one of the best experiences of my life. That's incredible. Yeah, what an adventure, man. And if, you know, it's like I know we're in the modern day and age, but that's living like a mountain man for 32 days, you know, living off the mountain and traveling. What an amazing adventure, man. That's so cool that oh, it, it's so yeah. meaningful to you, too. And then you were able to, to self-film and capture it so well. Uh, that's really cool. I can't wait to check out that show. Yeah, and it was, you know, the hardest thing the whole time was self-filming. I feel bad for all my cameramen because, you know, over the years I've gotten after them for a thing here and there. You know, I've had a couple of times where you hit record twice, you know, double hit record. Well, I did it like three times out there in 30 days. So. <laughs> Man, I hear you. It's like, uh, you know, I was always doing all these amazing adventures, and I thought, gosh, if I could just film this and capture this, I would have the best videos going. But then you get out there and you start filming it, and you get back and you see what you brought back, and it, it doesn't tell the story. Like it's a different no. skill set uh, to be able to have this vision, to be able to tell the story of the film. And so, you know, throughout time, I got more comfortable talking into the camera and I didn't get so camera shy every time that thing turned on and I could, you know, articulate my thoughts. But but then I also started to learn what shots it took. And even with the cameraman, you know, I feel like a field producer, like it's me and him working together to try to tell the story. And sure, he's got good insight at, at times. And then I have shots that I want to get because I know it will tell the story and and it it takes years of doing that so i'm sure you learned a lot like that the the first show you had for nine seasons and now coming up with these shows uh they're gonna do really well because you got that experience backing you like you you know now how to tell a story and and how to film the pieces to make it all come together i bet well that's that's the whole thing and it took me a long time i'll be honest when i first started filming you know i was i had watched you know some television and thinking well, I can go do that. I mean, I'm out there all the time. I got all these great adventures that go on. 
but you don't realize that how it's captured in the camera and how you tell the story is what it's all about. Just because you can get out there and film big critters or film something die doesn't mean it's going to make good TV. You know, you have to captivate that audience and tell the story throughout the entire episode instead of just having glamour shots. You know, glamour shots only go so far. And that's what it took me a long time to learn that. But, you know, I was fortunate um, when I started with Sasquatch Mountain Man, I worked with Kirk Gowdy's son, Trevor Gowdy. So, you know, they got a long line of TV and telling stories. And, you know, and so that helped. He helped break it into my hard head to, you know, we got to tell the story and you got to do all the other stuff along with the hunting. It, it seems um, it seems like you're a student of the game. I think it's like the best way to be in life, right? Where you just kind of oh. drop your ego and you just continue you never to learning. learn. Yeah, yeah. And you, you learn from everybody out there. You ask questions and um, just try to figure it out. And the, the best teacher in life is experience. You can read all the books you want. You can, you know, and, and you can cut the, the learning curve too. Just like, you know, this podcast or watching films or reading books, you can cut that learning curve. But ultimately, it like comes down to getting out and living it, living the experience, One, making it through it. 100%. You know, making those mistakes when you're out there, especially we're talking mountain hunting. Making those mistakes obviously can be life or death, depending on where you're at. But making those mistakes in the mountains and learning from them and learning from others that make those mistakes, that's what truly sets people apart. You got guys that go out there, but, you know, they don't take in the whole atmosphere and they don't learn from every. You can learn from anybody. I don't care if they've been in the woods once. You can learn something from every single person's experience being out there. And that's what I've always tried to do. You know, my entire life is because at the end of the day, you should never stop learning and you, you know, you can learn something from everybody. Man, that's, um, it's so true. Uh, and I love that learning something from everybody. Everybody brings a fresh perspective and, um, mm -hmm. you, you can, you can absorb that information. I also liked what you said about failure. Like failure is a prerequisite. You're going to fail on shots. You're going to fail on stocks. You're going to fail on hunts. Like, uh, you, you gotta be able to pick yourself up. You learn from it. You try not to make the same mistakes twice, even though I, I'm hardheaded and usually it takes me a couple times <laughs> to learn my lesson. But, uh, you know, I say it all the time. The only reason, you know, that I, that I have the success that I have nowadays is because I've made every mistake out there. Every mistake under the sun, I have screwed up. Every stock, every shot, I've failed more than the majority of people out there. And that's the only reason why I'm, why I'm any good is because I have failed so much i agree 100 percent. i mean you know i used to have a coach when i was younger used to always tell us you never fail unless you quit you know and so they're just all learning aspects you know so everything that you do out there you know every failed stock every missed shot every let's face it you hunt long enough you're going to fail stocks you're going to miss shots you're going to have whoopses it's going to happen I mean, I blew my finger off in Alaska, for goodness sakes, with oh my, my muscle. <laughs> but it saved my life. <laughs> we can get into that story here in a minute. But, yeah, you know, every single thing that you do out there and every time you have a hiccup or even when you do succeed, there's something you can learn from that to better yourself for the next time. You know, every single opportunity you get to be out there, there's something you can learn from to add to your repertoire for the next time. 
Man, it's spot on. Yeah, it's it's so fun to talk about the similarities. Uh, you know, me and you have both lived two different lives, but to hear the sim- similarities in the way we think about the mountains and hunting and, and how that a- applies to, to, to all our life. You know, it's like how you do one thing is how you do everything. So when you learn those lessons and you live your life that way, it carries over into other facets of your life, like you're filming and putting together these shows. You know, you carry that same quality into it. So the 32 days, man, that is wild traveling through the wilderness. You had your horse, uh, the few items that you mentioned, uh, le- like what an adventure. Like uh, give me some of the the highlights or close calls or bad storms or some of the stuff that uh, oh. happens, if you can share before the, the yeah, uh, it's show all, comes out. It's already out right now, so I can, share, I can share a bit with you. It was, man, I dealt with just about everything Mon- Montana can throw at you. You know, I, when I first got in there, I rode into the first area where I was going to make my first camp and I set my camp up and I'd be danged if there ain't 20, probably 20. I mean, there's 16 to 20 wolves. There's a pack of wolves in there and they kept coming in and harassing my horse. And, you know, it's a great area to hunt elk. There wasn't an elk anywhere close. The wolves <laughs> had them all pushed, you know, way far away and, you know, wound up catching some fish. And, but I, I knew I, I had to get out of there because you can only eat fish so long, at least me. You know, I got to have that red meat. You know, I shot a couple squirrels, and so I took off down the trail and wound up getting caught in a snowstorm. Now, I don't know if you remember last October when we got that big snowstorm and it got really cold. Yeah, it killed a great boulder in that snowstorm. Well, that's when I was out there. It was gnarly. That's, that's, it got oh, that's cold, too. Yeah, that snow come in. Of course, you know, all I got is my sleeping bag, and I'm making little shelters, and, you know, the snow comes in and just it dumped about a foot and a half and then got like five degrees for like four or five days. I couldn't find a critter moving. I was having to, I was melting snow for me and my horse to drink. I mean, I was, it was miserable. I didn't eat for five days. (laughs) That's the real deal. That's not, uh, it's going down the trail and actually did very well after that. But boy, it was, Yeah. Man, that's, interesting. that's touch and go. That that's not. Uh, it's it's like a, that reality, that uh, authenticity when you're making a show like that. To really go five days without food is so difficult. Like uh, you know, I I know sometimes I'll push hunts past their max, and I've gone a couple two days, three days without food, and you are st- I am starving at the oh, end. Oh, you're of that. starving. Oh my and your gosh. mind. Yeah, you know, your mind starts going. Yep. You know, you start, it's, it's hard to think. And of course, when you get that bitter cold too, you know, I was cutting firewood constantly just to try to stay warm and couldn't stay warm at night. Cause um, when you don't eat, you don't, your body can't make warmth. And, you know, I, I've gone into the woods a million times with very little, but that was the first time I'd ever, I mean, I went in there with nothing. And, you know, when I came, I wound up losing 36 pounds over the course of 32 days, which I'm a big guy. So, you know, I went in there weighing about 270, 270 pounds. I think, uh, yeah, I think I was 276 and I came out at like 238. Wow. And it was, you know, but I, it was a healthy 238. I lost all my easy living life weight and you know, I was, I was actually in great shape and doing great when I came out, but it was, there were a lot of trials that I never would have anticipated you know i didn't hardly see an elk the whole time and i was in used to be great elk country Mm -hmm. but you know going through there i couldn't find an elk to save my life and you know i've I've hunted elk and killed 
tons of elk over my lifetime, guided elk for years, but I had a heck of a time, you know, trying to find them. And I was, you know, I was hoping, kind of banking on maybe I could get one down and then I'd be golden the rest of the time. Well, you know, it took it took a while. <laughs> Man, I'd say that uh, it's really interesting how you uh, talk about the mental side of things, that mental fog, you know, that you can't quite think straight and it's dull and um, and just the lack of energy, too. And, and when that starts going downhill, your your mind and mental strength starts to wane as well. Like you got to fight really hard to keep yourself in the game, keep yourself op, uh, yeah. well, operating. That's when you, you make know? mistakes. Yeah, that's oh, when man. you make mistakes. Yeah. And like I've told, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are survivalists and have been on a few of these survival shows and stuff like that and, you know, done very well. But I always tell people at the end of the day, you can have all the knowledge you want. But what it comes down to is your mental capacity, you know, your mental strength, and then being able to problem solve. Those two things are the number one. You can have all the equipment in the world. You can have everything. But what it comes down to are those two things, your mental strength and being able to problem solve. If you can't do those two in the woods, you're going to struggle, you know, and so I'm always trying to hone my mental strength and trying to, you know, I played sports too for a long time and, you know, I'm always that competition with myself and and having that mental strength. And I firmly believe that's what's helped me throughout my life is just being able to be mentally strong enough to go through those tough times and, you know, push through those hard times, being able to adapt and, you know, problem solve to make a bad situation a better situation or a good situation better. Oh, I agree you know, and that's, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's all about spot on yeah that's so it and and it carries you through life but mental strength isn't something that you can just decide you want i mean you can decide you want it but you have to work for it you have to build those Mm -hmm. those calluses Uh, uh, tough times makes tough men you have to put yourself uh in uncomfortable situations and really challenge yourself and every time you do it adds a layer and that can be like i use uh, trail running a lot in my training is I, you know, I can build those mental calluses when it's not even season, but then I rely upon those tough times in season, pushing on, getting over tough times, tough weather, like all these things just add these, these calluses over your mental toughness where you just build it layer by layer by layer. And, and then pretty soon you got something that you can rely upon and that positive self-talk, uh, always looking to solve the problem. Like you're talking about like theorizing, where's the next spot to go? What What's my next move? What can I do right now in the present? And it's it's not fun all the time. Like it's a lot of the times out in the mountains or even bow hunting, you know, it it's miserable. Like you're putting your yourself oh. through mental and physical duress to try to to try to harvest this animal in the ultimate challenge but it's like the more you put into these things, the more it means to you when you when you accomplish it, you know? And so well one hundred percent. You look at like, you know, you being a bow hunter, how many times or even rifle hunters, you know, as well. But that mental toughness and that pushing through, you know, how many times do you see people when they miss a shot and then they miss the next one and then they miss the next one because their their mind, they're already conceding to missing. You know, but then but then you get the opposite. You know, you make a great shot and then it just gets easier and easier for a while. You know, it's it's mental. You know, when you have that confidence in your head to make that shot because you've already made it before, because, you know, your last animal you shot at, you killed, you know, it's easier to shoot at the second one. 
and then the third one. But if you miss that last one, that's in the back of your mind. And if you can't be mentally strong enough to push that out, guess what? It's going to be right there messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed, man. It does get inside your head for sure. And, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you just build that confidence over time and you, you, you get to build your process too, as we all have like these styles that we like to hunt, you know, whether it's uh, really patient or really aggressive or a mix of both or both or, or knowing when you can be patient, but you build these processes and then you kind of know what you're looking for. You know what to expect. And, and especially like you say, when you've done it before, when you've accomplished it before, when I know I've taken a hunt down 10 or 12 days and I've got it done in the final hours, you know, after a miss or yep. whatever the case is, like, like now I have that, that I can draw upon. Like I know I've accomplished that or I've done that. And then, you know, over time it's, you've done it over and over and over again in different species, different habitats, uh, really challenged yourself to your max and overcame it. And so, now when it comes to season and a tough hunt, like like I embrace it. That's what I love. That's what I'm waiting all year for, you know, yep. just keep 100%. in it. 100%. Well, and that's the thing. You know, I'm sure you get it too, but you get a lot of guys that haven't been out west or, you know, and that they ask you, you know, what's the more, most important thing to be successful on a hunt or, you know, whether it's an elk hunt or a high country mule deer hunt or, a, you know, a spring black bear hunt or whatever it is. And it's your mental capacity. You know, mm -hmm. that's the number one thing to be successful in the mountains. It's just that mental, you know, to have that mentality of you're willing to walk that extra mile. You're willing to, you know, take that extra time, you know, to practice in the summer or to get ready before you go or, you know, and it makes it so much more enjoyable. But at the end of the day, it's that mental side and you have to train your mind just like you train your body. Man, completely. Yeah, it's um it it's such a huge factor. And you hear athletes talk about it like it's in all these different facets in our world and in our life, uh but it sure applies directly to backcountry bow hunting and building that mm -hmm. mental toughness. It's just going to be your best friend in trying times, but it it takes going outside your comfort level and it, I mean, if I'm being totally honest like, you know, some of these big extreme hunts that are above timberline real steep country or i know you know i'm gonna have to deal with early season lightning on the 10 12 000 foot peaks <laughs> or grizzly bear country that i know i'm sleeping by myself like um uh you know, uh, uh, having courage is, is not being a uh, is not that you're never afraid. You're afraid, but you do it anyways. You do, yep. you you accomplish it and you start working through it step by step. But it, it's not that I'm a psychopath or don't have any fear in me. Like, um, you know, I I love life as much or maybe more than the next guy. You know, I want to continue <laughs> to live it. But you you can't continue to live it in the comforts of your own house. You got to push yourself and get outside and go have these adventures, man. That's that's where you really but learn and living. grow. But that's living. Sitting at your house and thinking about it isn't living. Nope. You're getting out there and living it. You know, there's a difference between dreaming it and living it. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people, that's the same thing with, like, getting in TV. You know, people ask me all the time, wow, or tell me how lucky I am or how, you know, how did you get into that? And, man, it's just being in the right place at the right time for one. But it's not easy to stay in television. You know, it's not all the glamour that people think it is. You know, you make a bunch of money and no, it's a job just like anything else. But 
when my grandpa was when I was younger and I was trying to debate was I going to go guide or was I going to go work in the oil fields and make money. My grandpa told me he said if you do what you truly enjoy you don't work a day in your life. You know what? I gave up money to go guide and it's worked out for me. But the guide life and the the hunting life, it's a lot of work and if you're afraid of work, it's the wrong path for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh that's exactly right. Yeah, it's um uh, follow what you love, like find your passion and do it, but it's not that it's it doesn't come without its its pressures, you know, to mm-hmm. try to uh, make TV or film episodes or, you know, it's a lot of money out there. I know like, you know, when I'm paying a cameraman out of my own pocket, there's no guarantee that I'm going to recoup that back, you know, if I'm not yep. successful on this hunt. But I, you know, I, I take that challenge and, you know, sometimes they're not successful and I've got to carry it over to the next one, but I continue to put forth effort. But yeah, it, um, it, it definitely, you know, it comes with its own pressure and stresses and then also ups the degree of difficulty. And then for me, I have to mix and match filming and then just hunting on my own solo. So I don't lose that, you know, it's like, yeah. I sure I want to film everything I do, or I'd love to put out everything I do, but for my own sanity, I can only go about every other hunt <laughs> because I, I love that escape and being out there and not having to worry about two guys, just worrying about myself and, and 100%. really pushing. But for me, it's a, it's a mix and match, but no, it's not easy, man. I don't envy you. That is tough. Well, you know, I've, I've grown to, to love it though when i was you know when you're younger you're all about the hunt and like we were talking about earlier but you know as i've gotten it, it's another aspect of the challenge for me you know and, and you know so for me i'm i thoroughly enjoy teaching people and you know most of the time with my cameraman i'm i'm teaching them in the woods you know because i've been fortunate enough to be taught by people for you know i grew up and i've been doing it since for 30 years. So that all also helps, but you know, I, I just love being out there and sharing it with other people that it's, it's gotten, but I am like you, I do love my solitude and like that trail deal. I mean, that was one of the best experiences of my life because I was alone. You know, the, my best and worst enemy was my mind. And, and, you know, it was awesome for me to see myself transform a little bit through that um, you know, when you're alone for 30 something days, that's, that's a long time to keep your thoughts to yourself. <laughs> you can't hide horse, from yourself when you're alone exactly. that many days. <laughs> like you find out probably who... thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you might've been. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure I was partly. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I love what you said there about, uh, uh, loving what you do too and enjoying what you do. Uh, no, you're right. Uh, and we are fortunate to be able to, you know, uh, make a little bit or make a living like you do, you know, off the, the outdoors and something you truly love. And I'm, I'm truly fortunate too. And there is nothing funner than when you can tell your story and I can show my family, my friends, uh, my audience, you know, and show them this, this awesome adventure that's out there, uh, for everybody to go have, like, there's no better feeling, uh, than accomplishing that, you know, but, but for me, it's, uh, it is too like that solo time. And then, um, you know, going out with the camera as well. And it is a challenge. It almost seems like me, 
just like you, like I almost have to set my mind to creating the film. And so I'm out there and I'm enjoying the outdoors. I'm enjoying the hunt. I'm taking it all in. Uh, but but I'm also more committed to making that film than I end, am to killing an animal. Uh, you know, like I I have to kill that animal and kill it on film and tell a story throughout the the way. So for me, uh, uh, video and like I really got to commit to it. And um, you know, and that goes. I've done like a a handful of solo ones, you know, and I really enjoy filming solo because I don't always, I can't always afford a cameraman or I can't always, yeah. you know, I don't always have one with me. And so, you know, I've, I've got good at trying to figure out how to get the shots or set up the tripod, which is a total added degree of difficulty in the end. But I take pride in it. And the only way I can make a film solo is if I commit 100% to it. And like, I am going to get the footage or I'm not going to shoot anything. Like that's what this experience, this adventure is about on this trip. Yeah. See, and that's, you know, that's, what's awesome about it though, is, you know, just adding, just putting a little quirk in there. You know, there's no, none of the situations we're in when we're out there are the same, you know, you have similar ones, but none of them are the same. And, you know, adding that self-filming aspect to it just changes the whole experience. You know, it makes you, you know, when you go out there on your own without a camera, you're looking around, and you know, you're seeing the birds and the, you know, the flora and, you know, you're looking at all the beauties of the mountains. But then you take a camera out there and you're filming all that. So you're looking at it, you know, through a lens and it just it changes everything, you know, your thought process and the way that you do things and that that's what's cool to me is you know because it gives you just a little bit different experience yeah um yeah that's a really good description of it yeah i feel the same way when i'm out there you're trying to capture it you know you're, you're trying to show and you're trying to share this special experience you're having like um you know it it for us guys to find our passion and something that we truly love to be out in the mountains and challenge ourselves like that. Like it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be out there and, and be going all in. And it's just trying to capture those moments and that experience back there because they're fleeting. And as much as I get to hunt, you know, it, it's a week, you know, out in, in challenging myself, but you know, then I'm back to work for a bit and I usually, you know, I have multiple trips that I do throughout a season, but you know, that time is special that we get when we've got everything lined up and we are in the mountains or carrying everything on our back or on our horse or, uh, that's, that's pretty effective the way you use that one horse like that. Uh, that's a great way to hunt elk and other species and travel the mountains. I bet. Do you do? do oh, you, I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, do you ride a bunch and then you could also pack the horse? Just, just real like uh, yeah, probably so got saddlebags. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do a little bit of both. So I mean, I'll, I'll ride and then you know I'll, I'll stake him out and I'll go hike or you know I'll lead him if you know say I get do get lucky and you know I'll pack him and I'll walk out. You know I'm not. I but I love having the option of having the horse there because you can cover so much more country and, you know, it lessens your workload. You know, when you go out on a backpack hunt, everything's on your back. There, there's no piggybacking anywhere. <laughs> you know, so that's, I love having a horse with me just because I mean, heck I'm already a big guy. I don't want to carry too much more. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, a, a real asset. Like I have a buddy it seems like elk hunting is meant for horses, and I, mm. I'm i not much of a horse guy. Like, I've been around them and uh, ridden them here and there and probably had more rodeos than successful rides, but, you know, <laughs> they never put you on the good horse, you know? Oh, no. But um, so I, I'm not a horse guy. I'm a backpacking guy where I have to train extra hard to carry that stuff out. But what <laughs> I have realized is that 
uh, elk are meant to be hunted off horseback. And and I have a buddy that's in really good shape, college football player, and just loves to, to hunt bulls and catch brown trout. Like, that's all that guy does, right? And so he lives life to the fullest, but he's really good at it, hunting elk. But he uses that one horse as a rider, and he's like, Brian, it's a, it's a game changer. Like, you oh, show 100%. up miles deep in the mountains, and you got fresh legs. And this guy's always been able to climb mountains. You know, he's an athlete. Um, so like when I hear him tell me it and how effective it is and get back your eight, 10 miles, don't carry anything on your back, ride in. And then you've got these fresh legs to go hunt these yep. elk. And, and, you know, it's also that, that physical exertion you put on yourself, like that can break you mentally and day after day, or if you have a red line day where you walk too much, I know I'm going to pay for it the next day being sore, mentally dragging, but with a horse, you just show up fresh and then, you know, elk are so damn heavy. It sure is nice to have a horse when you get one down. Oh, I'm telling you, see, I played, I played football for years as well. And that's, you know, that's how I used to train is I'd go run up and down the mountains at, you know, 295 pounds. I only had about 6% body fat back then, but it was because of running up and down the mountain. So training that way. And then, you know, once you do have that horse, like, like you were saying, you can go ride back in there and then you can hunt your butt off from there. And then guess what? When you're coming out, you either, you either pack them and you just walk out, or if you're not successful, you jump on the horse and ride out. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it, it makes it, it, it adds a whole nother level and dimension you know, because I've done a ton of hunts where, you know, you either backpack in or, you know, you're hiking miles before daylight every day. And, you know, you're so, your success goes down a little bit just because of the, your physical capabilities. You know, let's face it, you can only do so much and go so far, you know, mentally tough guys like us are going to push till the very, very end, but you're still, when you're pushing that hard, that's when you make mistakes. But when you can be fresh and you're out there and I just, I love it, man. Um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That, um, uh, that, that being able to travel the mountains so effectively and efficiently. So, uh, your horse, do you build like this connection and this bond with them? Is it like having your dog out there where you can really trust them? And I mean, they just seem like, uh, uh, they can, they can be, um, so on edge or, you know, and they can be so dangerous. They're so big. Those they animals. Can. That's the other thing is a ho- horses can add a whole nother level of, you know, danger and a trial as well, just because you got to worry about them and food and, you know, stepping on the wrong rock or sliding down a mountain or, you know, I've had a ton of horse wrecks. Of course, I've, I used to guide on horses for years, but when you get a horse that you're comfortable with, like the horse I took on the trail was actually green broke. He was young, but I wanted, he had the right attitude. And so I wanted to train him back there and he came out a whole different, better horse, but it can be that challenge of not, you can't just take any horse and go back there. You know, you take the wrong horse and go back there and you both might not come out, (laughs) but you know, having, having a good, a a good horse that you're comfortable with and that, that he's comfortable with you makes a world of difference. Gosh, I bet. Yeah, what an asset. And it is like the the mountain man way. Like you can tell you you know why those guys all had horses. It was just like a such an asset in the mountains. Oh man. Yeah, well, I, and that's what I've lived my whole life. You know, I have always said I was born 200 200 years too late. You know, I'm the mountain man, the whole mountain man aura and that timeline. I mean, I just I crave it. You know, I I've, I've watched Jeremiah Johnson 
I can't even tell you how many times and just, you know, wished and wanted, you know, fantasized about being in the early 1800s and going and doing that. And so, you know, that's how I've tried to, that's why I've done so much horse stuff. And that's why I brain tan my own buckskins and wear buckskins when I'm hunting and, you know, all that kind of stuff is because, you know, them mountain, they were some tough hombres, you know, especially the few guys that went off on their own and not in the big groups. I mean, oh, I, I, you know, just thinking about it gets me excited. Can you imagine <laughs> how hardy those guys were back in the day? Just like you're talking about the toughness, uh, the mental fortitude. I mean, out there surviving on uh, what they caught and what they hunted and, and just being able to survive off the land. But there's there's no breaks. There's a, there's no safety zone. Just day after day is surviving back there. Um, yeah, it, it was definitely a different breed of human. Oh, you know, those 100%. Well, and that's the whole reason I named the show Last of a Breed is because, you know, like like I said, I'm I'm a modern day mountain man and I crave that kind of stuff. And you know, like when I went on the trail, that's the one thing that was crazy to me is I, I didn't realize I'd lost so much weight. But then you think about it, you don't have any breaks. You are constantly, whether you're cutting firewood, getting water, looking for food, taking care of your horse, you know, making shelters. You are constantly doing. If you're awake. You better be working or else you're going to you're either going to starve, you're not going to stay dry, you know, you're, you're going to be in trouble. And so you're just constantly doing something And that, you know, when you don't have the technology of the, you know, the mountain house and the, <laughs> you know, little gas uh, stoves and stuff like that, it, it changes a lot. And, and, you know, it's so much work, but. You look at what the mountain man did and they, you know, they survived like that day in, and same way with the Native Americans, you know, day in and day out, just living that way. And that's why they were so tough. And that, you know, they're, that's why they were notoriously hard to kill because they just had that resolve and the aptitude to just keep going against all odds. And that, to me, that is just amazing. And, you know, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, you're you're right. Like, uh, takes so much energy and effort just to survive back there, just to mm-hmm. to take care of the necessities. And and I do think it even relates to the modern day and age, uh, mountain houses and tents and the whole deal. But the the backcountry, the wilderness, it's tough out there. I I don't care who oh, you regardless. are. Like, if you're back there, even with all the best gear, yep. you you still got to be tough and you're gonna have to work at it. And maybe you have a tent so you don't got to build a shelter, which saves time. But you're spending a lot of your effort trying to hunt in this condensed amount of time you know back in this country to try to get a chance to get a stone's throw of a mule deer or an elk or whatever the case is so yep. you're spending more of your effort there but but it's a shock to the system back there and you want to talk about tired you know like a, oh. a sleeping right and how how much like a sleep deprived like a lot of times you know but that high elevation you can't get much rest to even recover and you're pushing to your limits like um Mm-hmm. Uh, up in there too. I mean, it takes a toughness, and, and it takes these these skills or this wood sense to to be crafty up there to take care of yourself. Make sure you're warm. Make sure you're safe. Not going to get wet. Make sure that you keep energy coming in. Make sure that you don't get dehydrated. Like you said earlier, like any one of these big mistakes like that could could you know potentially kill you back there. You are responsible well, for yeah. yourself. And you think, you know, you think about it. So I used to guide at 10,000 feet and higher um, when I first, all growing up. 
So I lived at about 8,500 and then, you know, we would guide all the way up to 12, 12, five in Colorado. And, you know, that altitude, that's another thing people don't realize, you know, you got all these guys that want to go do these backcountry hunts, but the energy it takes, and then you add the altitude in there, you get tired twice as fast, probably more than twice as fast. You can only do half of what you think you can do. You know, and so having that mental toughness and being prepared for things like that. I mean, you got altitude sickness. I've had to carry people out. I actually ran a horse to death. They colicked on me because I had one of my clients get altitude sickness and we didn't have a set for them. And I mean, got it really bad. And, uh, you know, it's some serious stuff. It's not anything. The mountains don't take any prisoners. You know, like in Jeremiah Johnson, the mountains got their own ways. You know, they're beautiful but they're just as rugged as they are beautiful and just as dangerous. And, you know, a lot of people don't take that into account, but you know, the, the energy and just, just to go every day, like you're saying, you can have all the technology in the world, but just the energy to keep up with your everyday hunts. And then you got to come home, you know, you get back to camp at dark and then you got to cook yourself dinner. Then you go to bed and guess what? You got to wake up in three hours. And you're sleeping at 10,000 feet and you're getting half the oxygen that you got at home when you're, you know, at 3,000 feet or at 500 feet. You know, some of these guys that come out and do it, you know, it's a whole different, just a different atmosphere. And, you know, a lot of, there's people getting trouble doing it every single year. And, you know, being prepared is the biggest thing, but having that mental capacity to be able to push through some of that too is and knowing when when enough is enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, know? you have to know when to quit sometimes too, yep. right? Or at least um, yep. when to take care of yourself. Yeah, that's uh, – I was just smiling as you were saying it. it, it you know, those are like the – those are the most extreme. That's like a – uh, you know, I don't know in school if it'd be the college level, but the the upper echelon next level like you, you better, you know, have your have your stuff together and you better be in good physical shape and, and you better have that mental fortitude to go do these super extreme ones, high elevation, you know, really challenge yourself. And it's why I love them. Like I'm a little bit nervous yep. going into them, but I think <laughs> you work your way up to that. Like there's so many different levels to this game and places where you can take this that your first first hunt shouldn't be one of those extreme hunts no. it should be in in the foothills or the breaks or it should be truck camping and then exploring per day and day hunting and getting comfortable with navigating getting comfortable with with trying weather you know but challenging it out in a safe way where you can be back at the truck you can warm up and then you just keep working up to it you you push the days you push the terrain you push what you're capable of and then pretty soon you're doing the most extreme hunts like 32 days on the trail with just your horse <laughs> and your stuff you know but you got to work up to that and build those skill sets so you can do that. exactly you know it's all it's just like an athlete it's just like anybody you know you're training yourself and so it's you know, it's adding to your bag of tricks and, you know, adding to your knowledge the entire time and being able to, you know, not let your ego out the door and, and work up to that. And, you know, you're going to be more successful in the long run. You're going to have a lot more fun in the long run because, you know, when you have the knowledge and you have the aptitude to be able to go do it, it makes it so much more enjoyable. But when you go out there I and mean, we've all had those trips where you go out there and you just it's a suffer fest and you're just. You know, every minute of every hour is just hell, honestly. But those, you know, those are the ones because there was something there that you either weren't prepared or, 
you know, in some way, somehow you, you, you didn't add it up. You know, you're, you can have the worst weather, you can have everything, but if you're prepared and you have the knowledge to be able to counteract it, you're going to be able to get through and it's not going to be as miserable. But if you're not prepared and you don't hone your skills and keep working towards that, guess what? You get into that situation. It's going to be a whoops. It's going to be a whoa. <laughs> yeah. Be in a world of hurt. And and like mm-hmm. you say, the the mountains don't care. Like it'll it'll throw more at you. You know, there's <laughs> there's plenty of challenges back there for sure. You know, and it's it, it isn't it isn't beating Mother Nature. It's like coexisting with it back there. Yeah, exactly. You know, but um, yeah, you you definitely learn things along the way. It's like being married. <laughs> you know, you figure out along the way how to work together. <laughs> That's right. You, you know, early on, you're kind of sitting there and you're you know you're bumping heads because you each have your own way of doing things. Well, she's always going to win, so you got to learn to, you know, maneuver through there. And that's the way the mountains are to me. You you just you you learn to love them, enjoy them, and you know, work with them instead of fighting against them. I love that analogy. Well, um, (laughs) Laramie, like I've really enjoyed getting to know you and have like an in-depth conversation. Like I'm a fan. I can't wait to check out these um, shows. Uh, again, tell me the, um, you've got one on sportsman's channel, a couple on outdoor networks. Uh, where can we catch these? All right. So we got, uh, the outdoor channel, the new show, the trail airs Friday nights at, uh, seven 30 mountain time. So nine 30 Eastern time. And then, uh, last of a breed right now is airing Monday nights on sportsman's channel at eight 30. And then of course you always got your social media. Um, it's just Laramie Sasquatch Miller. You know, I'm six, six, 270 pounds. So Sasquatch is my nickname kind of fits <laughs> <laughs> spot on. I'd say, well, um, man, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, keep in touch and come back on the show and, uh, keep doing these adventures and can't wait to check those things out, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate all you. I appreciate all you guys over there and, uh, had a blast and yeah, look forward to it again. All right. All right. Take care. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Super fun conversation. You can tell that Laramie just loves the mountains, loves everything that he does, uh, has such a great wood sense and a great base at keeping himself safe, which I think is so important for us Western hunters is to have the confidence to be able to to live and thrive in the mountains and um, keep yourself safe and and uh, and then also building that base hunting skill set. I think that's so important. So I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. I want to thank my sponsors for today's show. Again, I want to thank Everly Stock, uh, just building great packs, durable, pack the weight right, a good price point. If you're in the market for a new pack, make sure to check them out. Also, make sure to check out Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, just making the, the the best coffee on the planet. Uh, I love the subscription. I get a new coffee bag every single month, and um, I look forward to it. I get it about the 25th of every month, so I've got a new bag coming up here in about seven, eight days, something like that. Um, but it, it's just great coffee. Uh, I also love their instant. keeps me alive during hunting season. Uh, make sure to check out their, their instant sticks that's actually made from real cro- coffee, freeze-dried, and it's um, it tastes really good, and it doesn't hurt my gut. I just love that stuff. And uh, they also have their tea bags, which is instant. So make sure to check that out. Uh, check out everything we're doing over there at Eastman's. And um, man, with that, um, 
Yeah, I got out, um, looked at, uh, I told you guys I drew that moose tag, which is such an awesome opportunity. It's like 20 years of living in this state. I can't remember if I've been applying 20, 21 years, 22. I'll have to look at how many years I've been applying for this tag. But I just drew it in an awesome mountain range. Uh, they actually combined a couple units this year to make the uh, make the unit even bigger yet. So I've got a ton of country to cover. So I've been um, kind of bear hunting in that area a little bit, uh, kind of like a, a, a twofold, you know, where I'm I'm hunting and looking for bears in spots that I like, but also exploring some moose country. And so seeing a lot of sign, uh, saw a bull the other day. I actually saw a couple moose the other day. I'm not sure if the other one was a bull. It was so far away. Um, you know, they just have little velvet nubs right now, so I can't really tell what they are, but look like kind of the, the one that I was close to look like kind of a younger bull, but, um, so excited. What an awesome opportunity and two and a half months in Montana to go chase things, uh, these things around. And, and it's the largest deer species with my bow and I'm yet to harvest one with my bow. So, um, man, I'm really excited and I just want to give it the the due diligence it deserves with with scouting and then during season and um, I want to hunt through the rut and then also post rut into the late season if it goes that long and I'm just looking for a great bull that gets me excited Uh, doesn't have to be world class but I you know by looking at pictures and and uh, you know starting to get excited for this thing like um it's got to be a pretty good bull for me to stick an arrow in it i don't have to just kill one to kill one i mean i really want the meat i've never had moose meat myself so um that'll be awesome and really fill the freezer we're making sure that we go through all our 2021 meat so we've got empty freezers ready for um a moose if i am so lucky but um yeah, I'm going to just take in the entire experience, try not to put too much pressure on myself, and really look for a good bull. So uh, super excited for the scouting and the hunting coming up. And then, gosh, I've just got some great tags and great adventures this season and um, have a bunch of work. But uh, um, that's one thing I won't sacrifice is I've I've got to live life to the fullest, and I will be going on a bunch of adventures this year. So just super stoked at that. Um been working a lot lately um my definitely my my workouts and runs have suffered i'm still getting them in each and every week but it's not the every day that i'm used to so um you know i just woke up this morning like i just um i uh, uh, have to be better um more disciplined and um get these workouts in uh even with the work that i'm doing and giving myself grace yes but um i also can't let my you know it's uh, uh, that fitness is something that you have to constantly work on. And um, so, you know, while I am getting in a handful of good workouts a week, I need to step that up and um, get a couple more. So um, early this morning, I was shooting my bow, getting that in there. And um, yeah, I just uh, um, uh, need to be better. Like the last week or two have definitely been slacking, like uh, just haven't got as many in there as I like to get. So, uh, I need to step that up. I also have a hunt coming up. So I've been working on my heat training and it's been cold as hell here in Montana. So it's really tough to heat train when it's 30 degrees, but, uh, doing my sauna work. And then as soon as it gets hot, uh, I'm hoping we get some heat here in the next couple weeks where, uh, I can, I can put myself through some, um, some more heat training of running in the heat and, um, 
But I have been getting elevation, have been getting runs in, just need to be better and do a touch more here. So it's that constant balance in life and um, reassessing where I'm at and my situation. I've just got great adventures and great hunts coming up, and I don't want to take them lightly. I want to come in the absolute best shape I can. So um, yeah, you'll hear next week's podcast. I'm going to step it up a bit. I'm going to get a long run in this weekend. Did get a long, like a good hunt day in on Sunday where I did a bunch of elevation and my day pack. By the time I get my pistol and my camera and my spotting scope and tripod, I, I weighed my, my day pack that I went with Sunday is just ridiculous. It's like 27 pounds, which is crazy for a day pack. Um, it's just carrying all that stuff with me. So, uh, I, I either, um, you know, there's no real option there when I, you know, I'm not taking the kitchen sink or extra things I don't need, but you know, I'd like to have my good camera to capture photos, like to have a tripod, like to have my spotting scope, but, um, you'll have to go through my gear and see what I can cut out of there because 27 pounds for a day hike is pretty heavy. I like... I like a minimalist pack. I like it as light as I can be, but it's in today's day and age, like trying to take my good camera, that's five pounds, and it just adds up quick. Uh, but I'm going to make some adjustments and also just make sure I'm in really good shape so I can pack that that pack around because I know during hunting season, you know, I need the gear I need and I need good glass, and I can definitely ditch that scope at times and, and uh, just run... Uh, my binos are run 15s. Surely that works on elk and things, but I really like having my scope for mule deer. So I need to go through that thing and uh, make a few cuts so I'm not packing a million pounds around. But it is good for workouts and it is good for climbing elevation and hiking around and um, just feels really good to be in the mountains. So um, definitely need to get back there and make sure I'm taking at least a day a week to go enjoy the things I do. I love to do and um, also taking some evenings as well. So trying to just find that balance in my life with so much work going on and personal house going. But uh, things are growing great on my end. Uh, just going to keep working at it. So, um, man, really enjoyed that podcast with Laramie. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. And, uh, with that, I'll check in with you next week.